Hey, this is Enrico from Hidus Divinity and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor with the Phantasm Podcast, and uh, very excited. We've got a really cool guest with us today, um, and I will uh, allow this gentleman to introduce himself here in just one second. Uh, Hideous Divinity. They have a new EP coming out called LV426. We're going to be talking about their new EP. Uh, it comes out with Century Media Records. Thank you very much, Dr. West. This is Enrico, Hides Divinity. I'm the guitar player, and I'm uh, super stoked to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this, sir. We're so excited to have you on today. And uh, just to jump right into this thing, I'm assuming you're a big Aliens fan, because immediately I, I saw that, and I was like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, who isn't? I mean, yeah. So yes, we are. I mean, uh, so talk about that. Why, why LV four two six? I love it. I mean, it's it's awesome. I love that you did it. But were you were you like watching Alien or Aliens, and you were like, oh, I got to use this? Or well, the, the cool thing about Alien and Metalheads in general is that everyone has his own story, his or her own story about Aliens. And uh, of course, I make an exception. Uh, I watched the second chapter, which is uh, the one actually the concept is about. At least one of the sub narratives comes from, from that movie, one that was done by James Cameron, sure. which I watched at uh, age 10, and I, I'm telling you, I was, uh, I was a kid got scared of everything, like some things I was not even allowed to watch because I will have nightmares for, for, for ages, but for some reason, there are movies like, uh, there are movies that are simply too good to waste time being scared about them, uh, even if even if you're a kid, and uh, Aliens was definitely one of those movies. Like, there are movies that you fall in love because they're so cool, they're so perfect. Like, uh, some movies that I watched when I was a kid, like, for example, The Thing, or Big Trouble in Little China, one of the funniest, coolest movies that were ever made. Love that ever. movie. Love it. And, uh, <laughs> well, I have no doubts about it. But when it comes to Aliens, I think there were many, many things that stuck with me. It's such, it's such a... First of all, we must give credit to, to James Cameron because he decided to make a, a movie that no one wanted to touch because everybody worshipped the first Alien by done by Ridley Scott. And it was so great in coming out with something that was... Not like the first movie because people would have hated that, and uh, uh, and still as cool as the first one, but for different reasons. Because what is actually the, the second Alien movie? It's a movie. It's a it's a it's a movie about Vietnam. If you think about it, it's about an ambush. Right. It's about a very cocky, super cool of uh, super cool squad of uh, colonial marine marines. And they engage, they get into an ambush. They think they're the hunters, and they become prey. But I think well, the thing that impressed me the most was actually the sub-narrative which we brought into the CP, and that was the story of Newt, Rebecca, the little girl. So the whole the whole story is seen through her eyes, the eyes of a kid that uh, sees her family slaughtered, and uh, and she manages to survive by herself in in this some sort of a desolate rock that becomes her home and she's the 
the sole survivor and uh, and in one way or in another I came afterwards and when he came it just hit me like a like a bullet in my head I thought of course everything matches because if you think about it you can relate so much to this concept right now because if I talk about dealing with isolation and solitude uh, facing your own demons facing monsters that you discover that they're real everyone more or less could relate to that in this pandemic time so all of a sudden the concept can even be interpreted as some sort of a allegory of what to different extents we're all living at this moment we all been, we all been living in some sort of a say dissonant reality for the last 14 months and i thought that's that's cool. I didn't think about that, but actually, it actually makes sense. I mean, the whole thing about uh, the end of childhood, the end of uh, when you discover that actually monsters are real, it's a pretty harsh time in your life, and everybody can relate to that. At least I know I did. Right, right. You know, what I think is interesting, too, is I was looking up before I, I called you today, and... and LV426 is the first, for people out there that are not super fans of this stuff, was the first planet that they found the xenomorphs on. So I thought it was really interesting. So it harkens back to the first film. And then uh, also, also Aliens, where they revisited after it's colonized. And then the, the shit hits the fan. Uh, so it's... And I'm with you. I, I think... Um, Anything after those two films, I can't really get into. I tried to watch Prometheus, and I've, I've tried to watch, and it just, it just, it, it's. I just don't like it, you know. Like I and and Alien Three don't even get me started. How much I hate that movie and and Alien Resurrection. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, they're so, so bad. bad. Yeah, agreed. And, no, and that is so bad because I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you like those? Well, uh, but please. Finish, and then I will. Uh, I, I will answer to, topic by topic. Oh sure. Well, for me, for me, you know, I anything after Aliens, I just I didn't like. And you know, I'm a growing up with the first two. Saw them both in the theater, the first one and the second one. Growing up as a kid, I had the tennis shoes that Reebok sold that Ripley wore in the second film. I mean, I was really into both of those films. You know, so seeing. Alien 3, and, and uh, I'm not a fan of David Fincher's either, so that's a whole other story, but yeah, I, I did not like Alien nah, 3. No, nah, nah, I get it. I get it, I get it. Yeah, I, and, but I mean, I guess those movies have their own following, but for me, the first two, and I'm good, you know? I'm very happy with both those movies. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's fair enough. I mean, I, um, there is a change the course of cinema. And there are other movies that are simply good movies. Uh, when it's about a franchise, so much that you can say, and, but if you think about it, the movies that you actually hate are uh, two movies that were in the 90s. The 90s, for so many reasons, was a huge change in general in action movies because I would say that a lot of movies from, from that decade, they lack a lot of screenplay, they lack of a lot of good acting because uh, the attention was going on the CGA which seemed to be for example the production's biggest concern in Resurrection definitely right. not my favorite right 
while in that magic and when you had uh, Dan Bannon working with Ridley Scott, uh, not telling to the people what, what was going to happen to John Hart and his church-busting legendary scene, that is something, it was like, I don't know, the creation of fire, the discovery of the wheel, it was something that, was, that belongs to a time that was, it, it was half legend, half reality when it comes to the history of cinema. So of course there are some movies that cannot be touched for what they represent. Some other movies are just part of a franchise. I have my own ideas. There are things, uh, of course, when I watch them, in the 90s when I was a teenager sure. I thought they were the coolest thing when you rewatch them after 20 years you're like seriously like <laughs> I, I can understand why I fell for them but at the same time you know the language has changed the, 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 the taste has changed and there are some movies that will be eternal and that what makes them uh, absolutely unachievable uh, because no matter the passing of time you always look at them at the same way like for example can you believe that the first alien was done in 1979. Right. If you believe that Apocalypse Now was filmed in 1979, what well, the first time that I watched Apocalypse Now, I'm like, what? Was right. Seventy-nine for real? The year that I was born. Right. And, uh, so, of course, we cannot we, we, we cannot say the same for, for everything, especially right now when we are living in some sort of a you know an industry that keeps on feeding us like a, a hundred different contents every day. Because we're sitting in front of our screens and we are expecting Netflix to bring us something new every single day. Right. Of course, things have changed. Um, you only have to decide if you want to. I'm not saying anything that's anything bad about that. But if you can decide if you want to live in that sort of a past, idolize past, or having a look here and there and see what's what's going on these days, I'm too too much of a fan, too passionate of cinema not to be curious about what's going on these days so you can still find some uh, some gems today but uh, the fact that we may spend time comparing it to a movie like Alien done in 1979 and uh, Aliens done in uh, 1986 it's uh, it, it doesn't work like that I think it will be it will be a bit silly well, for, I know that I, I don't want to do that well see for me like you know, I'm getting older, and and but the the reality is, you know, to me, you know, garbage is garbage. Like I was telling someone recently, like my favorite movie ever made is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh wow! Oh. It is my favorite film ever made, and and I've never seen. There's other westerns that I like because I'm a big western person. I love horror movies. I like a lot of stuff, but I love westerns and. You know, there's there's some other good modern westerns, but nothing touches that movie to me. Like I I think that movie is perfect cinema, you know. And oh, and and you I was I was talking with someone the other day, they were talking with me about all this stuff and you know, and I still watch some newer stuff, but I mean, I don't know, I think some of it harkens back to your childhood, you know, and I, I for you know, like to talk about Alien 3 again just for a second, like you go into Alien 3 with expectations from Alien and Aliens, it's a huge disappointment. You know, even then to me, it was just like, what are you doing? Like, I, you're killing off all my characters. You know, you killed off Colonel Reese. You've killed off, you've killed off, you start killing everybody off. It's just, I was very disappointed with it. But I, again, you know, and, and, and David Fincher was just coming off directing a Madonna music video. I don't think he should have been handed that project. I think Fox was gluttonous with that, but. There is a 
there is a super interesting documentary about the making of Alien 3 that gives you the idea of what sort of a cluster I don't know if I'm allowed to use the F word please yes cuss yes please yes absolutely (laughs) that was the the entire production that they changed like director three times before starting and the screenplay and the first according to the first draft it was supposed to be uh, on this sort of a monastery planet all made of wood and the director said this is this is too much. I'm going insane just to keep track of it. because it's a franchise. We're talking about millions here. Sure. I mean, every once in a while, I should I should think about what do I want plan. And of course, I'm not exactly the average Italian guy that goes to cinema and expects something. And I'm very proud of that. But uh, the movie industry cannot be. Based, I know that it cannot be based on my taste because otherwise. It be a disaster right um, so one should always think about and who better than than the than say the, the world of Hollywood but that, that can also be related for example to music one thing that I admire and uh, it repulses me at the same time when it's about art it's um, it's the American attitude which is uh, there is always a, a business say uh, the, the the conception of business the the concept of making money which like really I don't want to be a hypocrite no one does these things for sure. free so of course there will always be money driven decisions based on a franchise and, and I can be disappointed because I'm some sort of a say uh, extremely uh, unconventional fan that gets disappointed by the but, but this is an industry. We're talking about millions here, so uh, it, it's always interesting to to analyze those uh, those aspects because it tells uh, they tell a lot also about uh, the, the the American way of doing things. I mean, music and movies. Uh, it's it's your thing. It's your industry. One should never forget that every time you're judging a certain production or a certain movie or something, or the new musical trends that are coming from the U.S., it's a it's part of who you are. And I am uh, I've always been fascinated by by the U.S. in this sense. There were a German director, Wim Benders, uh, said that uh, Americans colonized our subconscious as uh, European people. And that's exactly what it goes, both with movies and with uh, music. So I'm, uh, I mean, sociologically, it's always interesting to, to discuss these things, to talk about that. And, uh, and there will always be a time when uh, decisions will be made because of a certain amount of the millions of U.S. dollars that are moving this or this other sure. side. It's, it's always interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you all, you know, you're from Italy. You birthed my favorite director. Sergio Leone is my favorite director. I mean, it's, you know, it's... It's, uh, it's my favorite director. Too. Oh, dude, he's... Nothing touches him. And, I, and, you know, you were talking about John Carpenter stuff earlier. That's John Carpenter's influence in directing. That was, you know, him and Alfred Hitchcock. So it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just like your band. I think some bands get it that are playing death metal, and I think some don't. And, you know, you fall into these other categories of subgenres and stuff. And, you know, it's... it's uh, Marco from Our Penance, a regular guest on this podcast. Love that dude to death. You know, great dude. Amazing band. Again, Italian. You guys are you guys are the Splatter Kings, man. You, you, Fulci and fucking all... 
Dario Argento, my favorite uh, uh, Italian horror director. I mean, you guys have given so much to our culture, you know, and so many people piggyback off that over here now in the underground. And it's, it's, I grew up with that stuff. It's genius, man. You guys have so much. I mean, I think. I understand. Yeah, just so much love for you guys, how much stuff you've given to us. And I mean, I, I think people don't understand that. And it's, uh, it's, there's so much. I agree with you. There's so much good cinema out there. There's a lot of bad. People given money to make stuff they shouldn't be <laughs> able to make, probably. But you know. Well, but then again, maybe maybe all those experiences, all those influences, are like filtrated into something that is not. It's perhaps diff, uh, difficult for that audience to go back and discover uh, Fulci or Argento or whoever, or even uh, those directors that in the sixties and the seventies in Italy they were doing so much in terms of. Uh, avant-garde, which is, well, sometimes it's a word that's been abused, it's like, boring, <laughs> right. but it's called, called avant-garde. No, I'm just telling you, because so many things, I was a fan when I was a teenager, that I was so much into the 70s and this and that, and luckily when you grow older, you, you change your mind about many, many things, and I'm glad I did. But yeah, it seems like we've been, uh, we've been very fortunate in some uh, in some periods of, uh, in some times of uh, recent history, I, I cannot consider myself. Not, not gonna. I mean, we, we started with the right, right foot, which means we're not going to spend one single moment talking about music. We're only going to talk about movies. But uh, um, now it's, it's, it's my time to come clean. I, I'm not a fan of Italian horror movies at all. Really? Um, absolutely not. To me, Horror movies belong 110% to the American nightmare. It's something yours. Wow. And it's something that should be treated with respect because it belongs to you. Uh, I saw this, it was like 20 years ago, this beautiful that was an American nightmare. And I started to understand what was behind Wes Craven what was behind John Carpenter, what sure. was behind uh, even John Landis or uh, even David Cronenberg, if he's technically he's Canadian, but hey, just... Uh, oh, yeah, he's just, great, uh, man. Great director. Yes, and I mean, and the, the, the again, the social cultural background that was behind this director, so I, I, just, I just became a fan. And now, again, you can argue with me or not, but I see the same sort of uh, complexity between the movies of two directors that I literally worship, and these two directors are, <laughs> for different reasons, Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. Because what they did with uh, Midsommar, one of my favorite sure. all-time it's a great movies. movie. And, uh, and um, Get Out and Us, to me, it's, uh, it's some sort of a revolution. Because it, it, it's done with today's language. And it's not simply the horror, the splatter. It's like basing uh, a, a death metal records in 2021 on blast beats. Right. That could have worked 30 years ago. Because 30, uh, 20 years ago, when I put together Hour of Penance, there were like a four drummers in Italy that could literally play blast beats. Right. So you had a drummer, you had the luck to have a drummer that played blast beats. You were already the king of your own town. Right. <laughs> because not many other. As we know, today things are different. It's, it's the same with, uh, I would say, with our movies today. Creativity lies elsewhere. That's why shifting to music, which 
probably it's what I'm expected to do in this conversation. Yeah, I'm sorry we got off on a tangent on that. <laughs> oh, uh, come on. You just mentioned Sergio Leone as your favorite director. He is. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. Him and John Carpenter. Those are my guys. <laughs> then I think we're speaking the same language, but the risk is not, not a single word about music. Now, jokes apart, the thing is there are bands that simply don't need to push on the gas at every single cost. If there is uh, one reason why I fell in love with emulation many, many, many years ago, it's because I understood that there was something more than than speed. It was the mood, every single song they sure. create. Absolutely. I, I remember when Close to a War Below came out and it was like, what the hell is everything is perfect in that record the production oh, sure. the, the, the pathos meaning the, the passion coming out of the songs and then you know unlike unfortunately all the other bands every new record of Immolation you know that you're going to buy without even listening to the first song in streaming because sure. you simply cannot be disappointed that's magic to me that's what keeps me into, into this crazy obnoxious music let me ask you, as a as a guitarist growing up, were you more into the New York death metal bands like Suffocation, Immolation, or were you into like Deicide, Morbid Angel, and that stuff in Florida? We were all when we were all say on our uh, after teenage years when we were starting putting together this uh, with our penance back in uh, at the end of the nineties. We were all looking at Florida. There was something about the flavor. Of uh, the, you know, it was, it was uh, death metal. The idea of uh, you know, the, the, literally of a crocodile that could <laughs> come out. Right, of right, yeah. Eat your life. Well, uh, I think I think because one of the most respected, perhaps the most legendary band in Italy. No matter which were you listening, if you were into black death grind or whatever, sure, it was death. It was death. Just oh death yeah. That is a band anyone would put in, in the ideal pantheon. They would be like the gods of gods. They would be just on the top. And uh, and everything else that was created later, it was... Uh, I mean, again, it gets personal. I mean, personally, I remember a friend of mine uh, forgetting at my place uh, the Amon Feasting the Beast. Uh, oh, it's so, so good. You just play it, and um, I don't know if you read the um, Albert Madrian's book, Choosing Death, which I, I have to say, I contributed to to publicize a bit in Italy because I was the one that actually took care of the translation. And actually, no, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this. Tell us about that. Well, um, I remember I got in touch with uh, Albert uh, back in the... <laughs> I was still living in Norway at the time, so it was like my space time. Okay. And I, I read the book in English, and I'm like, this book is awesome, but no one's going to read it in English in Italy. So I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to write to this guy. I'm going to say, I'm going to find you an Italian publisher if you allow me to do the translation. And Albert was like, who are you? Why are you doing this? And I said, I, I, I'm nothing but a fan of the book. I just want to be the one that translates the book in Italian. I said, yeah, well, what you want? I said, nothing. I'm not looking for money or anything, but this <laughs> book has to be printed in Italian. And it just happened. It was like 2000 and 2009. I was so happy. And in his book, he tells us, uh, he tells about... Um, Glenn Benton storming into the Roadrunner uh, offices 
with a with a, with that demo that I listened to when, when it was like ninety six, ninety seven, or something, uh, slam it on uh, on the what was that Monty Connors desk? Yeah, sign us, you fucking asshole! And then he stormed out. Everyone just froze. Then they listened to the record. They were like, "That's it. This is this is absolutely awesome." So you can sometimes exactly remember the first time you listened to a record, even if that was 25, 30 years ago, exactly what you were doing, what happened, how did you feel? I honestly didn't think that Beckham music could actually be played by human beings. That was my first impression. Like this right. is, There is definitely some sort of a demon possessing them and uh, tuning their guitars and allowing them to play this music. At that moment, something that the curiosity was too big. I wanted to know everything, to listen to everything. Luckily, if I can say, the choice, say the, the records were not that many, so you had time to worship them, to study them, to dissect them, to learn all the lyrics by memory. And that's what we did with early days, early cannibal corps, even if they're from Buffalo technically, or uh, Morbid Angel, uh, Malevolent Creation as well, but I always had some sort of a mixed feelings with Malevolent Creation, like some records, some other records that are a bit, I don't know, um, let's say that the, the aim of that band was never to, to be, to, to, to do things too different from, uh, uh, from one record to the other. And then of course, uh, bands from uh, the other bands from the East Coast, like uh, Going North and Suffocation, for example, Suffocation is a band that influenced, I would say, the entire Northern European scene. If they could choose a band, they would say Suffocation. They're every amazing. In Northern Europe. They're dear friends of mine, and I've known Terrence for years. I've had him on this podcast. About, I, I think, to me, other than Chris Barnes' era Cannibal Corpse, Frank Mullen suffocation. That's where it's at. Mike Smith on the drums back in the day, you know. And I that's 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 what I grew up with, you know. And, and death, death is very important to me. But I would take possessed over death personally as I've gotten older because I saw I saw well I saw possessed in 1983 and it changed my life. So I Jeff saw dear friend and. Oh my I think Possessed is an underrated band. I think they're very critical in the evolution of death metal. But, you know, to me, my friend, I, I again, it goes back to Europe. I think Teutonic Thrash is where death metal came from. I think, and, and, and Slayer in the U.S. But but for me, it's, it's a mixture of Venom and Teutonic Thrash. I think Destruction and Creator really, to me personally, and I have a, a book I'm writing currently about it, I, I think that's where... Every because I grew up in Tampa during the you know the late eighties early nineties and I think that's where it all came from to me like you take Slayer and you take uh, Venom and you take Creator and Destruction and throw it in a blender and then you get Possessed Absolutely. and Death and you know and I, I love the early Death records like uh, uh, Spiritual Healing backwards I love those records when he got a little bit too little technically proficient for me on human and on I, I like those records I like individual thought patterns I think the best of the later stuff and symbolic but I was never a fan of human it's too technical for me I mean it's beautiful like some of the arrangements and stuff but it was never my thing like I'm more into like having your skull kicked in you know kind of stuff but 
but I realized the you know the technical proficiency of it, and Chuck was a genius, and I, I'm a, I'm a fan, you know. But and I saw I got pleasure to see him several times. I saw him every tour, oh, wow, spiritual so healing nice. forward. You know, I, I would always go see them, and and I wasn't old enough to see them on leprosy to get into a bar to see them, so I didn't get to see that or scream bloody gore. But my uncle was the reason I got to see Possessed when I was a kid. But yeah, man, I think. I think there's so much good stuff, and you hear it in Hideous Divinity. You hear so much amazing death metal in there, and you guys are technically proficient as well, you know. And, and it's it's. Well, we, I, I was lucky as an individual. I was lucky because when I started doing this thing with uh, when I put together Hour of Penance back in uh, the end of the nineties, uh, that was simply a lucky time. That was the Renaissance time. I mean. Uh, is it wrong that I still love Our Penance? I love that band. I love the stuff you did. I love. I lo- like I said, and again, I, I don't want to offend you. Mark, we've had Marco on a couple of times. He's a super good friend of mine, and I I just love. I was so excited to have you on because I'm such a big fan. Like I love that band. Like I love the band. Well, I have to say what they they reached a much bigger audience when when I was already out of the picture now. If I listen to the first two records, I'm like, oh my goodness. It's your baby, great. though. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we recorded that stuff with, uh, like, with an equipment that only think about it, it makes me, like, it makes me, like, I just want to facepalm me to that. But the thing is, um, whatever that was born during those years, it was because uh, we, we took advantage from the fact that Say between starting from ninety eight to two thousand one, there was this uh, born again time. Like all of a sudden, bands like uh, Hate Eternal, Dying Fetus, Nile, they oh, were yeah. coming out of nowhere. After, Absolutely, after in the mid nineties, I remember magazines in the mid nineties that were basically sentencing death metal, saying death metal is dead. Now it's either black metal or stuff like uh, Therion and these other things. And, and I'm like, like, seriously? Because if you think about it, there are, there are albums like, for example, Vader's The Profundis, which is oh, my favorite one. So good. I mean, 96, there are albums that no matter what was happening around them, they came out and crushed everything. Yes, sir. Same year, 96, Black Earth from Arch Enemy and uh, The Profundis from Vader came out and it was like, what the hell? And then, of course... You have a concentration of, uh, uh, you're just lucky because in the following years, there were so many bands that came out also with new productions. <laughs> Basically, when Nile came along, when Black Seeds of Vengeance came out oh, 21 years ago. So good. To, to me, that record, I would say that record and uh, Cannibal Corpse's Blotters, which is the first production done by Colin Richardson, to me, that was a game changer. I'm like... Uh, I'm going to do this. No matter what, I want to do what these guys are doing. We entered the studio with the first for the first Howard Penance uh, uh, demo, October 2000. And I was carrying Black City Adventure. And I said, look, I don't know how you guys are going to do but I want this. I want the closest thing to this. Because <laughs> this is just too cool to let it go. And then, of course, it wasn't like that. Um, but I remember just a lot of passion. I remember a lot of good records. I remember um, the, um, Killing on Adrenaline coming out in 98. 
and then destroyed the opposition in early 2001. And, and those records were like huge. Well, I mean, you're cryptopsy. You guys were part of oh, cryptopsy's done so much good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Even Unspoken King, which is Matt and I are always joking about it. They're vocalist about Unspoken King, but I mean, I like that record. It was ahead of its time. Like the Deathcore thing really hadn't taken off. And they, too much. Yeah, too much. yeah. I mean, but it's you know, it's it's it is what it is. But I mean, I'm with you. I, they were saying death metal's dead, and it's like, I mean, to go back to one of your your bands you mentioned earlier. My God, uh, Majesty and Decay. That's my favorite Immolation record. That album is just—it's like a nasty. That record is so pissed off and nasty. It's just—it's amazing, you know. And and it is. And the underground bands in the early two thousands. One of my personal favorites. So so I discovered Our Penance, and you guys are kicking ass there. And then a few years after that, Gorgasm. Love that band. Yeah. You know, there's there's still. These people that have this ideal that that it's dead, I, I think they're dead. They're dead wrong. You know, it's like there's so much good, there's so much great death metal out there. You know, and you've got to look for some of it. Deeds of Flesh is another band that I love. They they were still doing stuff in the late '90s, and you know, uh, part of what you're talking about around like Cannibal Corpse, Bloodthirst, and and uh, your all's debut. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. Well, back. To be more specific for our list, so for you know our penance and stuff, but I mean, dude, I'm gonna tell you what I, I I apologize to you as a as a musician that I still like the band, but I, I think it's one of the most genius things you ever did. Like I love the band, no, and why? I, I mean, it's, I'm extremely. I mean, hideous divinity is awesome too, but it's like I would be lying to tell you that I'm not just think that's one of the greatest band names, I'm, and just everything else that you came up with with it and the band I still think puts out quality death metal where there's a lot of a lot of bands that have lost their edge you know so it's you know it's look as long as you see my, my biggest concern may be this as long as you see first of all an element of continuity between what I did what I what I was writing 20 years ago and what I'm doing now my my biggest concern especially with this new EP and looking at the previous albums we did the scene it is I'm still a death metal fan, and I'll always be. I tried in every possible way to draw able to. It's like a hero. <laughs> right. Uh, it's always going to be a part of me. So the thing is, what I'm trying to do in my own vision, which means probably that I'm uh, totally detached from reality, is try to look for some evolution. Meaning the spirit is still there. In the meantime, let's say in the last 10 years, Extreme music has changed a lot. It has. Many, many of these changes. Actually, I really dig them. What's happening in terms, for example, of uh, uh, the the atmosphere component that is more than ever belonging to music like certain kind of black metal, which I worship. Right. It's more than than just something trendy. It's a sign of times. And so many bands, they were so ingenious to actually, to render that. Uh, Now I'm going to mention one of my all-time favorite bands, say, of the last decade and a half, which is uh, Poland. Well, what? You you broke up there. Which which band were you talking about? I, I lost you there for a second. Which band? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I said uh, McVa. 
uh, it's MGLA, the band from Poland. Okay. I'm not familiar with them. I'll have to check them out. Well, to me, they are perhaps the most important uh, new, let's say new, they're not new, they're from uh, mid, uh, end of the 90s as well, but they, they reached uh, success in the, in the last 10 years, more or less. They certainly, they did not reinvent the wheel, but they brought this dimension that it looked like it was lost, which was to belong to something secret. It was like when met, when extreme metal was like a secret society and they brought this feeling back they did that with their record with their dark extremely powerful and super beautiful lyrics with their image and uh, and when a band that may be not your cup of tea does something like that you are demanded to listen to it right you are demanded to pay attention to that of course, you can always ignore and be totally happy and do what you've been doing for uh, for, for, for your entire life, album after album. But there are some bands, they truly are game changers. They are still game changers in this music. Another game changer to me, from a very honest point of view, we tour with them. Vitriol, our label mates. Those guys yeah. are sick. They're, they're my, yeah, uh, they, we've had them on uh, the podcast. I have listened to I guess it was their last release or whatever a little bit of it not really my thing I'm I'm more I, I like brutal death metal so my my favorite like like well like like, like like let me give you an example my the, the the most important band in my opinion that's still left in the United States from the past 20 years is decrepit birth decrepit birth I see gets it that's what I want to hear when I listen to a death metal record. I love Bill's vocals. I love Matt's guitar playing. They get it. So many bands I go see, they just don't get it. It's a bunch of like 20-year-old kids up there trying to play death records. And it's just not... And it ends up becoming deathcore. And it's just not my thing. you know. And, and like what you do with Hideous Divinity, I love it because it's fresh... But I'm still hearing stuff that I grew up in with it, and then I evolve with it. Same thing with the Viterol. I can totally get, follow with you on that. Like I've never seen them perform live. My co-host actually did actually did a rare one-off interview with them a few years ago, but with that record coming out or last year, whenever it was. But um, I listened to it. It's cool, um, and I think it's important. And I, I I I don't dislike it, but for me, and. I, my the, to me again, and they they rarely put records out. Decrepit Birth, I think, is the most important band that's left, and they're from California, uh, in in the United States. And Goat Whore, Goat Whore is another band that I think, and they're not a death metal band, but Goat Whore is important to the metal scene for what they do, because to me they're like Celtic Frost and Venom thrown into a blender, and I think it's important, and I. You know, it's 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 just like uh, uh, defeated sanity. I think defeated sanity they keep continuing to evolve, and I I love that band, and they just keep putting out good records, and and it's an evolution of the genre, but they're still doing their own thing. But you know, I, and suffocation gets it. The last suffocation album from back in two thousand seventeen, I love that record. You know, it's they they just keep putting good records out, and I I want kind of the same thing from them. I don't really want them exploring, but. 
you know, Origin is another band that I think is incredibly important that's still around in this country. I think Origin puts out good records, and they, you know, it's super technical. Super technically proficient, but represent the ultimate threshold, Milin. Uh, after Origin, you cannot push the gas anymore. It will become ludicrous, like the ludicrous <laughs> right? of uh, spaceballs uh, when they're jumping into, into <laughs> exactly, into. exactly. So tell me, with LV four two six, were you? Were these fresh new tracks that you wrote during the pandemic, or how did those songs come about for LV426? Everything came uh, during the pandemic. Actually, it came in a very short time. I was just... Uh, the only thing that I was allowed to do during the pandemic and going in and out from lockdowns, exercising a lot, and I was listening to... I do listen to movie scores a lot, and I was fascinated by James Horner putting together the music of... Uh, Aliens in like two weeks because he had a huge fight with James Cameron. It's a very cool story. Oh wow! <laughs> Apparently, yeah, it was it was insane because it was not exactly like today. And James Cameron was actually asking him to change like the music score for his orchestra that he was supposed to record the day the next day. He will come with. It was not like rearranging something on uh, on Ableton or. He had to physically rewrite all the music the orchestra that was supposed to record. So James almost went insane. And um, and you can still listen to, to the movie score and it, it, it leads you through a story. If you're if you really like a movie and you listen to the movie score, to the soundtrack, you're carried on by images all, all the time. And I was fascinated on how some things were so, so, some parts of the score were so open, so big, threatening chords. And in some other circumstances, like for example, what happens on Chess Bars, the second song, you actually have the orchestra uh, with a pace that makes you think about the craziest car chase, or in this case, aliens chasing Marines. Right. So I thought, Actually, it would be rather cool to do some sort of a rear of this movie score. And right. then I thought about, oh boy, I mean, we could do in that is alien-oriented, but we'll have to choose a story because there is an, a universe, the Xenopedia universe, if you go on the internet, and movies... Uh, old new movies, the whole uh, 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 comics universe. It's uh, it's so much. The worst thing that we could have done would have been to to talk. The, uh, it's a movie about aliens. It's based on alien, like going random things about the alien. That would have been terrible. We needed to choose a story, right? And uh, by choosing a story, the second alien movie, I also choose the music score, and I thought. The first song could be like the, the description of the planet. So it will be, it will have, of course, super fast beats because that's what people are, is expecting from, are expecting from, uh, from Hitler's Divinity. Right. But it will be also open course. So we can actually use the EP to try something new. Because let's just say, let's be honest about that. An EP doesn't put, put the same pressure on your shoulders like at full length. I will always remember the simulacrum uh, recording sessions as a nightmare because no matter what, 
we felt the pressure of the first album with Century Media. Right. Everybody was nervous. Everybody was static about about everything because even the like I said, even the most. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, so we were out of our minds, and everything was just fired by the fact, hey, this is an album that is going out for Century Media, so of course we need to be psychotic. We are expecting from ourselves to be psychotic. Right. Uh, DAP was different, and uh, it sounds, for many reasons, it sounds much, much better, because we, we just enjoy the fact. I mean, we are still living in the pandemic times, so to enter the studio for like five days, it looked like uh, uh, the, the coolest return to a normal world that we could imagine. We were super happy. We wish actually it would have lasted longer. Um, everything came out pretty say, pretty fast, especially because I'm a super slow writer. Guys in Hilda's Divinity, they really hate me because I'm super slow at writing. <laughs> and we always, you know, we the last song is done on, only two weeks before entering the studio and the drummer hates me because he doesn't have time to to to, to study everything so right. in, in this case it was everything was was smoother and uh, I am sure that some experiments that I consider successful will be repeated in our next full length well with the tracks on this was there extra stuff or was it just the three songs uh Nah, just the three songs. I mean, I knew that it was going to be at least two new songs and the cover had to be something, uh, say, a bit out of the ordinary. And uh, I mean, I, I'm not even a big fan of uh, reusing songs uh, and put them in the next album because it's uh, it's an EP. And I think people do have something new every time. That's a record it should be about new music. That That's amazing. And talk about... Uh how you did that like for track selection like with the three songs like what was that did you have to like work around that did you know immediately that was how you were going to arrange the EP or well yeah I mean like I said some ideas that were already there I just had to put them together and then I'm uh, I, I, have a, I, I am quite good with without the uh, say uh, but I don't consider myself a sound engineer, so my only purpose is to make good quality demos so the other guys in Indus Divinity, they like it right away, and they don't ask me to change anything. That's my purpose. Right. So everything is kept exactly the way I wanted it. I, I try to trick them, but of course, uh, um, everybody's got their own personality and taste in the band, so if I have a positive response after the first listening by everybody, I know that the song is going to be good because they will n never let me get away with something that they don't like. So, I, they, they are the first people I have to convince when I write something new. Uh, we are not the kind of a band that meets in the rehearsal room and, uh, okay, I have a couple of riffs, so you try to keep up with the drums. And, no, uh, I try to give to bring to the guys something that is more or less established from the beginning to the end. Then, of course, vocal patterns, rearrangements, you move one section, you double one section, you reduce it, this part, I don't think it makes sense. But it's um, the, the purpose is always to bring to the guys something that it's already, in my mind, if, I'm, if, if you're listening to it, that means that in my mind this is good already. So what do you guys think? Because otherwise we'll spend ages talking about something that is not... Uh, 
but it's not defined and the whole process will be well, I don't want that let me ask you this have you already started working on the next record well ideally yes <laughs> but uh, I'm completing a couple of uh, other things that have been well, I tell you this, my friend. I've been extremely yes. Oh, LV four two six is it's 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 incredible. I've listened to it a couple of times, and um, as a as a horror fan, as a sci-fi fan, it's it's also just incredible to have it called that. And I, I love your passion for film, um, and I, I love that you put the time and effort into the songwriting to just put some amazing death metal and mix it with some awesome with a incredible you know science fiction slash horror franchise um and you being a big james cameron guy did you know he started out as a map painter for uh for john carpenter on escape from new york oh yeah yeah i know some story about that and i was just surprised that the other day what what did i see oh the second the second rumble movie is actually you wrote the screenplay together with Stallone. yeah <laughs> which i love that's a great movie man you know those it's a the good movies, the good action movies from the 80s are, uh, I mean, I think you've got something else to do today in your life. Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about Predator, and then we will need an extra hour to, to <laughs> in detail what is, to me, one of the coolest movies done in the 80s. But then again, it's, it's your thing. Hey, well, you it's, know, your, uh, it's your bread and butter. Do you know something that I thought was awesome about James Cameron. I'm a big fan of his first film, Piranha 2, The Spawning. And... Oh, right now, I'm not familiar with it. It's, uh, you should check it out. And it was actually... It's Italian, too. He actually shot it in Italy. Um, okay. Or, or no, 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 no. It's either there or it was shot in Mexico. I can't remember. But here's you a fun story about this picture. You being a big James Cameron guy. He got malaria shooting the film. And while... In the hospital with malaria, he drew out the exoskeleton for Terminator. No, really. That's a true story. You can Google that. That's a true story, sir. Well, I mean, it just it just goes to show that we are not all born equal. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, he's. It was either shot in Mexico or Italy. I want to say it was shot in Italy. He shot the film. It got a U.S. distribution. This is Piranha 2, The Spawning. He caught malaria. And while in the hospital, he literally sketched out the exoskeleton that everybody knows from the 1984 Terminator film. And that's no joke. That's where the whole thing began. Amazing. Amazing. Some, some people, they're, they're just destined to... You, you already know that they're going to... That they're going to change the course of uh, history to some point. I mean, I don't think th there was anything worse than being part of the troupe working with Ridley Scott when he was uh, when he was younger. Uh, but we're talking about a guy that made a movie, which is my favorite movie of all times, and that is Blade Runner. Oh, it's, it's such a good movie. Changed, uh, it's a movie that changed uh, that influenced architecture, not only other movies and uh, say. Um, uh, photography or whatever it's a movie that changed architecture because Ridley Scott recreated building he made buildings and inside those buildings you will have rooms with a level of detail that you can find 
um, traces of like a rotten food in the dumpster. And that is, yep. I mean, we can only we can only try to learn from these people, study their life and their works, because that is. Uh, I, mean, I, I know it's some like some sort of a, an addiction with me. I mean, same here. It's why, well, it's it's why sometimes I said sometimes documentaries are even more interesting than the movies themselves. It's uh, when, when it's done with such a detail and uh, and those movies, those uh, documentaries or movies, they're talking to a fan. You you feel you you're pretty sure that in that moment, that movie or that documentary is telling to you something that other people will not get, but you're getting it because you're one of them. Right. You, you've got to come on and talk film with me more often. I've had so much fun. I did not mean to get off the LV426, but I've had a blast talking ah, movies no, with you today. I started. Well, no, you, you, you've got to come on again, man. You, you've got to come on and just talk movies with me. I love doing this. Um, and another one I've got, to, I've got to tell you about if you've never seen it. It got Ridley the job to shoot Alien with Fox. Have you ever seen his first picture, The Duelists? Oh, I love it. It's so fucking it. good, it's, uh, man. It's so fucking good. And most people haven't yes. seen it, so cheers to you on that. Because, I, man, it's, I love that movie. That movie's fucking phenomenal. It's so good. Well, the way it's shot. It's a, not only for the for the environment, but it's a very European movie, which makes you think that after all, I mean, Ridley Scott was was born and raised in uh, in UK. I mean, he's, he's an yes, English star. correct. Uh, but yeah, maybe together with the bad lieutenant, I think the best uh, Harvey Keitel's uh, interpretation, oh, my, according to my personal taste. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. It's I. <laughs> It's 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 just great filmmaking, you know. It it, it just is. It is. It and, is. And you can't you can't really go wrong with that. Um, but yeah, man. Anytime you want to talk movies or stuff, and when I get this interview ready to go, I'll send you a, a thing to it here on Skype so you can share it and stuff on the hideous page if you don't mind for me. Absolutely, we, to do that. Get, and, we can uh, get this LV four two six out there for you because I man I can't get over the EP. It's great, man. You you knocked it out of the park. Uh, you guys always do, and and uh, hopefully this pandemic will lift. You guys can get on a bill over here, and you come through Florida, and we'll drink some beer and. We are so looking forward to that. You, I don't think it's a, it's a problem for you to understand how much we're looking forward to that. Time will come. We try to, as you as you may have seen, we, we try to keep ourselves busy, producing something, uh, some, some quality music, something that will not simply show us that we are alive as a band, as an entity, but that we also want to keep on doing what... It's what even in a time like this, it's keeping us alive. I'm, I'm no problem saying I'm very, very lucky with Century Media because uh, this record was uh, a bit of a selfish act, <laughs> something that we wanted for ourselves, right? Uh, just to to feel to feel that thing again. Then, of course, uh, at the end of the uh, Century Media, actually, we we had this idea of suggesting an EP, but we were afraid to ask. Uh, media for that and they actually came out with that uh, on, on a phone call have you guys thought about an EP and I'm like oh that was a freebie of course let's do it and uh, and we were working on that so uh, all things considered it, it has been a lucky time we can't wait for things to go back to normal but uh, but by 
what what we did so far, and uh, and yeah, more music is coming because when uh, things are going to be record will be say required from from the market. I do, we just don't want to over with the, with things because. And releasing too much music, nah, they're losing their focus, or and automatically uh, someone uh, bad attitude towards that. Ah, too many records, they're not a mysterious object anymore. Right. You cannot please everybody. So uh, the the moment that we think that something is good enough to be released, we're going to release it. Absolutely, man. Well, LV426 comes out from Hideous Divinity, April 23rd, their new EP on Century Media Records. Sir, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I'm sorry if I kept you on here too long. It was, it was, I will have gone for ages and ages, but you know that when you talk about something that you're passionate about, time just flies. So thank you very much for having me. Recognize I go, we are my